welcome, or welcome, as we would say in Norwegian, to the Nordics Unveiled. I am Ernest Elbjørg and I hope you will join my exploration of Nordic. From mythology and folk traditions to lyrical, melancholic and often cautiously optimistic are only a few characters of Nordic. In a series of episodes, I will be joined by inspiring guests trying to break a few stereotypes and answer the question of what is typically Nordic? To learn more about conversations and guests, subscribe to The Nordics Unveiled on your favorite podcast provider or follow me on my Instagram, Facebook or Twitter account. This is The Nordics Unveiled. On today's podcast, I am most happy to introduce one of the Norwegian national instruments, the Haringfele or Hardangefiddle in English. Dating back to the 1600s, Hardangefiddle has eight or nine strings and is beautifully decorated with mother of pearl, decorative ornaments, and even has a dragon head on top. Helping me unveil the mystery of the instrument of the devil is renowned Hardangefiddle player and violin maker Ottar Kosa. He is praised for making first-class instruments and his craftsmanship. A four-time winner of Landskapleiken, the national competition for folk musicians, he has also received the prestigious folk award Kongepokalen. As a recording artist, he has won multiple awards such as Spellemannsprisen, the Norwegian Grammy, and Folkelandprisen. After attending the prestigious Ulebull Academy in Voss, he established his own workshop in Bø in Telemark, where he continues nurturing the expertise and craftsmanship of Hardanger fiddle making. Uta, I am so incredibly happy to have you as my guest in the podcast, and I'm really excited to talk about the beautiful Hardanger fiddle with you. It's going to be Thank very you. exciting to hear your thoughts on it. And I was thinking that maybe we could just start at the very beginning for those of our listeners who might not know what even a hardanger fiddle is. Could you maybe explain a little bit about the instrument? Yes, um, the hardanger fiddle is, uh, is a Norwegian folk music instrument and uh, uh, it's quite um, close, closely related to the violin, but uh, it has uh, some extra features that are quite um, special, um, especially the sympathetic strings that goes uh, underneath the normal for upper strings um, which creates the very special sound qualities of the hardanger fiddle <laughs> so there's four strings on top like a normal violin and then four or five right underneath which can uh, resonate yes the normal is four or five and uh, you have but you also have two or six or yeah <laughs> so, uh, can you choose yourself or is it yeah, <laughs> that's fine. <funny. laughs> but uh, but most people these days prefer five sympathetic uh, strings. Right. Because the sympathetic strings is kind of um, um, is a part of the the expression. So if you have a lot of sympathetic strings, uh, they can make your tonality um, uh, less uh, free in a way because the hardanger fiddle music is is having quite free tonality sometimes uh, you you have uh, some tones in the scale that are not uh, perfectly uh, in normal pitched <laughs> <laughs> and the sympathetic strings to to excite them you you need to to hit the the same note so okay. if you have a lot of sympathetic strings your scale is kind of uh, is uh, l- locked in a way more 
<laughs> that makes, you play yeah. very, 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 very old style tonality, to put it in those words. Uh, maybe you prefer three or four sympathetic uh, strings. Exactly. And just uh, talking about strings, uh, imagine how much tuning goes into making the Hadonga fiddle in tune. And I'm sure you also, I've heard all these stories all the time, particularly my mom really likes to say that if you have played Hadonga fiddle for 20 years, you spent at least 10 of them just tuning it. And that's yes, really <laughs> that's, that's a challenge yeah. with the Hadonga yeah. fiddles. And uh, I think uh, these days, if if hardang fiddle players play with uh, in a band or other instrument, we we don't have that much time to tune. So we we need to have strings that are uh, capable of uh, uh, keeping tuned for a long time. Yes. But in the yes. old days, they maybe had gut strings and uh, uh, had to spend a lot of time to to tune because it's very very important for the sound that it's. Uh, perfectly tuned <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i actually remember also one of my teachers uh, when i was playing yeah how long if it was a young child um he told me once that he was playing so many concerts and and uh, it was so humid so the strings would not stay up and in the end he got so fed up so he actually put the whole head of the violin into an ice bucket <laughs> And then it just froze and it was set. It was done. <laughs> yeah, mm, we should not do that. <laughs> but but anyways, that's, um, I was thinking maybe, could you tell us why is it actually called the Hardange Fiddle? Yes, um, the first uh, Hardanger Fiddles uh, was made in, in Hardanger. So that's mm -hmm. uh, where the name comes from. Makes sense. And uh, yes, and it spread around in in um, in different parts of of Norway. Uh, it must have gotten very popular, I think. So it came to yeah, Valdres and Telemark and uh, uh, different different parts of Norway. Um, and uh, then people uh, made their own styles on the Hardanger fiddle, uh, especially Telemark created. Uh, what we can call the modern Hardanger fiddle, maybe. So hmm. the Hardanger fiddle that are mostly seen today with the decorations and the, the drawings and the, the inlays with mother of pearl and bone and the, and the lion's head on, on top is um, more a tailmark version of the of the old Hardanger fiddle, which, which was more, um, more looking like a violin in decorations uh, less um, less stuff put onto the fiddles <laughs> <laughs> so the the oldest tardang fiddle was almost more like uh, would you say like a baroque violin slightly smaller in size and quite delicate i mean it was not that strong sounding i imagine yes uh, that's that's right they are often quite a bit smaller than the, the normal violin or hardanger fiddle um, and they they didn't use it for concerts, of course, in the late 1600s or 1700s. So they they didn't need um, the kind of volume that often hardanger fiddle players today is uh, seeking. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or looking for. Um, so they 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 liked another kind of sound. I think I don't think they made the fiddles that way because they didn't know better because but because they preferred a softer, 
deeper sound probably mm. and they had also different bow like the the baroque bow with the uh, the the bow going like an arch upwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so that also makes a very different uh, approach to the how you play the fiddle i think yeah, yeah exactly but going back to what you said about the decorations why was why did they start decorating the violin so heavily it's a very good question. I, I've uh, asked myself also when I build the <laughs> instrument. Uh, right. Why do we do this every time? Uh, because it takes weeks to get the decorations um, uh, done. Uh, so it was certainly not a very economical uh, way of uh, making the instrument. But, uh, <laughs> right. but I think uh, in Telmark it was very uh, popular to decorate uh, uh, um, um, the houses and uh, to to carve and to paint. Um, mm, yes, yes. Rosemaling and this kind of uh, decoration uh, style they kind of put into the Hardanger fiddle also to make it look nicer, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but was it a? Um, you could do have your own personal signature in your decoration, or is it like a standard signature? That's the kind. That's the good part, I think, about the Hardanger fiddle. That it's uh, very free. Um, we don't have the Stradivarius in the same way that everyone is trying to, or almost everyone is trying to copy and create as good violins as he did in in the violin making world. Uh, in Hardanger fiddle making, it's very individual approaches to the to the making. Yes. So. It's both good and bad sometimes, of course, uh, but um, you can have a very huge uh, scale and very big variations in the decorations and how they uh, have built the instrument. So right. it's, you can choose many, many different uh, sound qualities and and also uh, aesthetic um, qualities in the Hardanger fiddle world. So right. The best makers always have kind of their own signature on the on the fiddles. <laughs> right. So, what is your signature then? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm I I like the the drawing parts very much. So um, I try to use some uh, inspiration from different makers and then try to make my own style. But all fiddles are looking a little bit different because I <laughs> I feel very easily bored if I do the same thing uh, every time. So <laughs> right. I try to make something new every time. So, But I think maybe I have some parts that I have a kind of a personal signature on, but it's, it's a traditional uh, fr framework for it. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, that's... Yeah. Speaking like a true artist, right? Never do something twice. <laughs> Since you spoke about Stradivarius, I should also just... I, I think it's a bit fun to mention that I actually play on the Stradivarius. And I have a... It's, it's a really fantastic instrument from 1707. But I know so much that everyone really wants to copy it, you know? Like they really want to try to get as close as possible to that, um, that uh, craftsmanship. And I just wondered, where do you... I mean, of course, you create your instruments after a certain mold in certain shape but do you have anything like that you find inspiration in is it other hardanger fiddles you look for when you create your own yes uh, it's it's 
not totally true that we don't have a Stradivarius in in Hardanger Field World because we have we have some uh, of course some makers that everyone is kind of trying to copy a little bit. Um, that is our uh, our our goal. Um, I was wondering maybe we could talk a little bit about. I mean, it's so much curiosity about the mythology of Hardanger Field, what it meant. Uh, for instance, that he got this label, the instrument of the devil. Maybe we, you could talk a little bit about that. Yes, that's very... It's, it's been a big part of the history of, of Hardanger Fiddle. Um, and uh, it's quite sad to, to read about some of the old master fiddle players uh, that they were regretting that they played Hardanger Fiddle, for example, mm. like uh, Müller Gutten in Telmark. Mm. Uh, he was a very famous Hardanger Fiddle player. Who played with Ulle uh, Bull, for example, uh, the first Hardanger Fiddle concert. So we had a, a great uh, career in a way, um, and was very popular and played at uh, especially weddings. That was the the place they played. But the weddings and other places where where uh, Hardanger Fiddle was played was often uh, could be drinking and uh, things that the priests and the, the church didn't like so much. <laughs> I see. Um, so uh, he, I, I read that in, in his final years, he was very, very sad that he, he regretted he touched the fiddle at all. Oh, uh, no, really? Sin oh. and uh, bad things following. Uh, uh, little money and, uh, and very feeling that he was going to to hell of course that was that was what <laughs> no. they threatened him <laughs> oh my goodness uh but uh i think it was for him it was partly a kind of the mood in the day because other times he said uh, he, he was he was threatened by a, a woman that said you were go you are going to hell and then he said oh uh, then he was asking uh if she had talked to God herself, if she, if she had asked him <laughs> about this question, so uh, and then he was feeling that the the the, the music was created by by God somehow. Mm. But but this story about the Hardanger fiddle as the devil's instrument, I'm not sure when this came, but at least it's been periods with people going around having meetings and then. Uh, telling people to burn fiddles and st stop playing. So some some places in in Norway they just uh, extinguished uh, the Hardanger fiddle culture that mm -hmm. was there. So they it's a lot of Hardanger fiddles that has been burned and many people stopped playing. <laughs> unfortunately, such a pity. yeah, such a pity. But very but, sad. It's uh, hard yeah. to understand these days, but it's uh, the world looked probably very different in yeah. in those days i guess it's it's hard to uh, to to look at the world through the through the eyes of the people living in the 1800s most definitely <laughs> <laughs> yes but how is it today then you think today it's it's uh, no one talks about this and actually the there was a uh, uh, some uh, a priest, I think, that was apologizing for the church uh, behavior towards the fiddle fiddle players. Mm. Actually, <laughs> so, uh, I've actually 
one time experienced it myself only 20 years ago that um, a priest found it a little bit difficult with hardanger fiddle in the church. Really? So very, but that's not not uh, not anymore. I think not very uh, common. Not I, very common. Oh, that's good. Wow, that's really quite strange. What was his reasoning? I don't know. I think maybe a very uh, conservative uh, uh, priest. Um, but it's of course this is not this is not uh, normal and anymore. So um, the the Hardanger fiddle was played uh, first one time I think in the 1930s. But um, it came gradually uh, in the in the 50s a little bit. But it was very very uncommon and very uh, people thought it was very controversial to have the Hardanger fiddle in the church. <laughs> And in the old days with the weddings and things like that, the, the fiddle players had to wait outside the church uh, yard. <laughs> they couldn't go into the, the church with the fiddle. Really? Oh my goodness. Yeah, but actually speaking of uh, the use of the Hardanger fiddle, you mentioned weddings as a primary spot. But there, I mean, in the, in the wedding ritual, let's say, um, maybe we could talk through some of the um, type of tunes that were being played. So for instance, when you say the ceremony, I would assume that the wedding march would be in place. Mm -hmm. And then as the, but the, as the day progressed, you had the different types of tunes that were being played at different times. If that's yes. correct, yes. <laughs> uh, about the, the wedding uh, ceremony, I'm, I'm not 100% sure if, if it was a kind of uh, very strict uh, rule on it, but... Uh, there are stories about uh, uh, playing only gangar also before the wedding march came to Norway. I think the wedding march march came came to Norway from uh, people who had gone to the uh, Napoleon Wars, uh, for example, that they learned uh, this kind of march um, tunes there. And uh, mm -hmm. so before that, they probably played uh, gangar or uh, rull, which is a uh, 6-8 or uh, yeah, what can we call the rhythm? It's just a uh, straight one, dum, 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 just straight forward. Um, mm -hmm. Or da, 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 6-8. I right. think the, the wedding, wedding uh, the, the dancing was probably for with the gangar, I think. Probably. So How we does have, the uh, ganga uh, sound? Uh, I'm going to ask you for a little sound excerpt here. <laughs> Could you sing a little bit of what the typical ganga would sound like? Um, for example, uh, if you have a. That's a six, uh, eight uh, ganga. My uh, singing My is uh, not so good, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> it was perfect. It was beautiful. <laughs> All this fiddle music is very, they're very complicated, probably, and not, uh, uh, it's not easy to put uh, chords on it, uh, a chord. Uh, so it, it's like right. uh, telling a little story, I think, with a small the melody is like small sentences to me so if you play the tune like a story you will try to 
to uh, to tell the story in the music in a way and often it feels like it is actually made like a kind of story uh, right. yeah but the body yeah, exactly. is also um <laughs> it's kind of covered a little bit because of you often play don't play it on two strings at the time as you know so um that may that make it very hard to understand for many people who are not used to it i think right so the <laughs> right. melody can be a little bit uh hid uh, hidden underneath the 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 harmonies right but it's also where you have uh the most possibilities for variations and uh, ornaments and making the uh, making the variations from each player basically to add a little something something that's uh, to me also very interesting to listen to it's never really the same in different people's hands how it sounds like yeah, yeah. right yeah yeah but that's um what about i mean there's also a few other uh, tunes that are very typical to play like for instance we have uh, springer which is um it's a couple's dance actually. And it's very, uh, you dance around in circle and you have the, the fiddler sitting on the side, uh, giving the rhythm. And it's, it's a very beautiful dance. I think it's very, you have so many variations, so many different turns you can make within the dancing. And then the tune itself, uh, is really fun. And I think they say in Norway, um, in our environment, let's say that if you're able to play a good springer, then you are a very good fiddler. Yeah. Don't you think that's yeah. true? <laughs> I think the spring yeah. art is uh, the most, probably the most popular dance, uh, dancing rhythm Yes. in yes. many places. So it's also probably easier to dance springer than gangar at least, or yeah, um, because the gangar is more back, more um, quiet. Uh, it's more... Uh, transparent in a way with the springer you can sh show off more and it's kind of uh, more action in the yeah. in the, <laughs> so the springer yeah. is also the tunes that often kind of can have the qualities of uh, uh, kind of um, making the the fiddle player come into uh, different world and sometimes i've heard fiddle players playing springer just totally into focused into a different world almost so it gets very uh i don't know the english word for it um what is it in norwegian trance oh, yeah. <laughs> i think we can use the same in trance <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but I, yeah i know what you mean it's a it's a very very special thing and actually one thing i was just thinking about um as you are from Telemark, or you yeah. are in Telemark, you rather say, and uh, I'm from Valdres, our springers actually sound quite different because of the rhythm and the geographical difference. Could you maybe yes. tell me what what does it sound like in your place? <laughs> that would be interesting to know. We, we have the the rhythm kind of uh, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, dum, dum, dum. Well, you have, yeah, you can make your rhythm. <laughs> we have one, two, three, one, two, three. So it's quite, um, yeah. yeah, it's a very different, um, uh, what do you say, where you put the pressure, which tone is long, which tone is short. Yes, yeah. But the fun thing is that 
if you're not from any of those places, it's still really fun to say, well, that's actually the signature of my background yeah. in the rhythm. I think that's really fun. Mm. Valdor Springer is a very, very nice rhythm, I think. It's, uh, Agreed. It's <laughs> kind of dragging and pulling in a very uh, fascinating way to me. It's very yes. musically uh, intriguing. <laughs> yes, I agree. And it's also quite, it can be quite sharp played in the rhythm. So you have to, um, you can actually sound pretty virtuoso in it. It's not always only melodic. But um, that's really when you see if someone is playing and you have someone dancing, how clear you need to be in rhythm. Because sometimes I've seen a couple dance to this and if the player is not good in rhythm, then you have uh, some very interesting movements going on. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes. But, um, okay, so that's the spring. What about, um, you know, if, if you are hypothetically still in this wedding day, you start off with either... Gangar or Rull or uh, Wedding March, which would be part of the ceremony. Then maybe in the afternoon yeah. you start dancing and you have Springar of, you know, different geographical uh, changes. Uh, or you have, uh, what would be after that, you think? What is kind of the next natural thing to start playing? I don't know. Maybe it's uh, uh, in Valdres you have a lot of listening tunes mm. uh, when the people got tired or uh maybe drunk i don't know um then it's a lot of uh, listening tunes in valdres and a lot of quiet gangar uh, in um telmark that is more like listening tunes mm -hmm. so i think maybe they i don't know they probably did both dancing and and listening but i know some some players preferred uh that people only listened and not danced like Müller Guten like we mentioned earlier he, he there are a story that he he was playing and uh, people started to to dance and then he was screaming through the through while he was playing that uh, stop dancing uh, do not dance when I play uh, <laughs> when he didn't like uh, he wanted people to listen ah I see I think among some, if we can call them maybe more like artists on the fiddle, they 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 were not only playing for dancing, but they they had so much details and uh, things mm. in their music that they would really love people to to listen to their their art. But yeah. talking about um, Millard Guten, who was famous for being, first of all, a fantastic fiddler, but also for being the first um, fiddler who were put on the concert stage by Ole Bull, as you mentioned earlier. Um, do you think that has um, changed over the years, that the instrument has become more of a concert instrument rather than a folk music, yeah, on the ground kind of playing? Do you think that has changed? Yes. Uh... I think after Milaguten, it was a period where, uh, where you had um, many concert fiddle players uh, traveling around and playing, and many of them did great, um, very great in, for example, the United States. Um, and this has developed. So, so these days, of course, it's uh, it's a lot uh, of concerts with Hardanger fiddle, and um, 
it's it's very normal but we we don't uh, attract uh, stadium uh, audiences <laughs> of course it's it's for audiences yeah. but still i think the kind of the instrument and the way we play them and the way we think about the music is mm. probably influenced yes. by the yes. by the the concert uh, uh, the concert playing i mm. think the way we talk about the tunes and we have some stories to tell about the about the different tunes um and the fiddles are uh, are bigger um with more power uh, in the sound yeah um so these days, I think most people would like a fiddle that has a lot of power, a lot of uh, clang, <laughs> uh, a lot of sound, <laughs> a lot of sound, yeah, yeah, to carry out in in bigger uh, on bigger stages, yeah, yeah, and also a lot of the hard organ fiddle uh, players today is maybe playing in different um, settings with other instruments, yes. Yes. So maybe the I don't know in some years maybe the hard organ fiddles is uh, been changed towards this kind of uh, a different sound that's needed for uh, for for bands or other mm-hmm. uh, settings I don't know but um, at least the hard organ fiddle is used in very many different um, uh, yeah different settings yes yes contexts. That's very true. Um, I'm just a bit curious to know, do you, um, is there anywhere else in the world you find a similar instrument or the exact same as Sardangi fiddle, or is it purely Norwegian? I think the, the, the sympathetic strings that are very typical for the, for the Hardanger fiddle is um, found in a lot of places uh, in India, for example, and in yeah, in uh, in Sweden you have the nyckelharpe and uh, you have a lot of baroque instruments with this um, kind of uh, sympathetic strings uh, resonating, uh, viola d'amore and viola. Yeah, so uh, it's not a Norwegian invention, uh, but uh, it's a Norwegian uh, solution kind of. <laughs> uh, uh, it's a Norwegian adoption to the. To the to the to this phenomenon phenomenon and then um, I, th- I think the sympathetic strings has kind of a, it must have been very popular in Norway uh, at least some places so people liked it very much so so the hardanger fiddle kind of competed with the other instruments and they mostly uh, wanted to play hardanger, have hardanger fiddle instead of long lake or uh, munharpe because it was more sound mm. and uh, maybe the music was a bit richer. You could do more things with it. Yes, and just yeah. to uh, to quickly explain, also the two other instruments you mentioned are also national instruments, or at least long lake. Um, which yeah. I almost don't know how to explain properly, but it's also a folk music instrument in Norway. Um, but yes. um, you touch upon something which is very, very interesting um, and very specific when it comes to the Hardanger fiddle, and that's the scales and the tuning. Because in uh, when you play the 
the classical violin you're used to, you have one tuning and you should stay in that and not change it too much to play in tune. Um, it's a very set, uh, very small um, changes within one tonality, so to speak, uh, in how you tune the instrument. But that's not really the case with our dung fiddle. No, uh, it's uh, because of the sympathetic strings are kind of uh, f framing in the the tonality or the um, also what is the the ground note in the scale is uh, normal tuning. It's the the G string is tuned up one note, so um, it's uh, if if the A string is tuned in A, which can also have huge differences between normally it's a B or uh, or a C or a B sharp um, <laughs> but if you tune the fiddle uh, with a E A D A if you tune the A string in A uh, then you will have the third finger on the A string like uh, that's the the ground note for the for the tune the scale mm. So it's very hard to change uh, scales. Like you, s it's very few tunes that start on the first finger on the D string, for example. Like I guess it's more common in, in violin that that the uh, that the, the melodies can have different um, can start different places. Mm -hmm. um, so instead, we just tune the fiddle uh, in different tunings and then you you get totally different sound atmosphere yeah. from this yes so yes. you can also have like a normal violin mm. the g string is tuned uh, or g string is in g, in g. <laughs> yeah. and, then, uh, and then you can tune um, in i think in around 25 maybe maybe up to 30 different uh, tunings yeah. i'm not 100 percent sure around that yeah. number and isn't also some of the i love some of the names of some of the specific uh, specific tunings like you have the the troll tune isn't it troll stille yes troll still, yeah. mm -hmm. and uh, and then also i quite like also the idea of the uh are he, um, isn't it like a listening like yes, the, the is it like the b earliest peak of the sun in the morning or something like this just before when the sun comes out Yes. To describe very, a, a particular tuning, I mean. Beautiful name on a tuning. Yeah. This is uh, the Valdres uh, name. In, in Valdres, you have so many tunings and very uh, nice names on them. In Telmark, it might be different uh, different names on the, on, oh, really? on the tuning. So yeah. what do you have then <laughs> that we don't have? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Just blot this one name. Oh, yes. I think that's the same maybe in Valdres. We have that uh, as well, actually. It's um, light blue. Yes, yes, light blue. The light blue tuning. <laughs> yes. Uh, but then we don't have that many poetic names. It's more uh, nestilt, uh, opstilt, tash. Uh, so uh, like up or down or the third or... <laughs> or down, yeah. It's very practical names. <laughs> more practical names, yeah. <laughs> but... Um, that's also beautiful tuning is the Gorlaust. Um, but how would you, how can we even describe that in English? What is Gorlaust? It means uh, Gorlaust is a very loose kind of, a very, <laughs> very, uh, the string is tuned very low. And the string I mean is the, the G string is tuned. I don't know, is it 
med F or something. Yeah. Uh, so on the hard organ fiddle, it makes the it makes a very kind of uh, more sad sounding uh, uh, harmonies. Mm. So um, there are not so many tunes in this uh, <clears throat> on this tuning, but um, mostly in Setestal. Mm. Um, you have some very famous uh, tunes called uh, Ramerslotter, mm. and the Ramerslot means that these tunes had the um, qualities of making the the fiddle player get uh, uh, like we talked about come into a kind of trance uh, uh, so he couldn't stop playing (laughs) because the tunes (laughs) had kind of catched him and and the the tune didn't let the fiddle player go so uh, there's a, a very very a famous story about one of the tunes. I'm not sure if we have the time to to tell the story, but tell the story. <laughs> uh, it's called Nora Fjölsen, uh-huh. uh, and that's one of the Ramslott, uh, a very very dramatic tune with a lot of power and and uh, a kind of sad but also dramatic and very wild tune. Uh, and uh, the story is that uh, a fiddle player called Torius Omli he had uh, he had a girlfriend that um, left him and and she she uh, found another a very famous strong strong guy from Setestal and he was planning to kill them both oh. so he came to their uh, house and then he he's, he was seeing them in the bed, both of them, and then he thought it was such a nice couple that he redecided. Luckily, and he okay. went went up to a uh, to a water, um, and then he found the fiddle, and he was probably thinking about killing himself or something. Uh, but he started playing, and he was holding his feet in the in the water mm-hmm. and playing this this uh, wonderful tune playing and playing and playing and playing and then he then he uh, kind of came out of this this uh, bad uh, situation so that gave that's the story about the, the tune if you hear the tune you yeah. can understand this dramatic story i think it's very dramatic but uh, <laughs> but it ended well at least that's good yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, also just quickly um, before we finish, but we talked very briefly about uh, Trollstilt. Why did it get this particular name, you think? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I I don't know. It's a lot of uh, tunes related to uh, mythic uh, mythical uh, creatures like Troll, uh, Fossegrimen and uh, Trollhallingen and Trollstilt and... Uh, I think it's, may, I don't know. Maybe this came in the in the National Romantic period that that it was kind of a good uh, a good name to have on the, on this tuning because it was very easy to easy to 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 sell, <laughs> kind of. Uh, but uh, I don't know where it comes from actually. 
But it's uh, funny that you mentioned also all these creatures because there is a lot of uh, material, let's say, um, tunes and also stories connected to whether it's troll or it's uh, this other creature we have in Norwegian folkloristic history, which is Huldir. And um, it's, it's so many tunes that are also kind of building under the stories that are being told. And it's it's very powerful in many ways. Yes, and it's uh, we use the same stories today in a way, even though we never believe them anymore. But uh, uh, it's very it makes the tunes more interesting because it uh, the tunes come come from a very different world where they kind of seeked. Um, answers in different ways than we do today mm. so mm. they were very open to just interpret the, the world the way they kind of felt for so yeah. if if you heard something in the forest you would maybe you could think this is must this must be huldra <laughs> which is a kind of a supernatural woman with a tail and everything she she could uh, she could um, take uh, especially men and then they disappeared probably <laughs> and and uh, she was very beautiful and uh, sometimes she was singing tunes that the fiddle players learned mm-hmm. so it's a very it's it's a very different world and that's kind of Maybe you can say it's very strange to talk about these stories still today, but it's it's still a bit fascinating, maybe. It's very fascinating. And I think in many ways this is also part of our Norwegian heritage, that it's not just about, you know, the happy, happy, you know, the go happy kind of light and optimistic north. I mean, there's a lot of uh, things in our history that is, or maybe not history is wrong to say, but folkloristic history that is very dramatic. And I yes. think it does really make up for a different side. Today we are thinking, what is, uh, what's the story behind these stories? It must be someone who invented these stories of a reason to, uh, to have some kind of uh, uh, reason to scare children, for example, like uh, Nöcken or Fossegrimen, mm. not going down to the water and then maybe someone um, did something that was seen upon uh, looked upon as very very bad to do so uh, if a woman disappeared with another guy they made a story that it was uh, it was the um the, the what's it called berge kongen the, oh, yeah. the supernatural <laughs> man inside the mountain that took her yeah, yeah. i don't know it's it's very it could be very tempting to look on it as as kind of stories telling really actually something else so they they are made of of the reason and right. also it's right. because uh no one could ever google anything or just uh, uh try to say against people who told these stories so it's it was very easy to make what's popular to say f- fake fake news <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one could, could ever check that what you said is is true or not so uh, it's a lot of imagination behind these uh, stories it's very funny to think about i mean so i guess to take from that is that you don't believe there is a hulder out there huh? 
Uh, no, no, but actually, my <laughs> great grandfather he he he's not. Uh, he was born around 1900, mm. Mm. and we have um, uh, Stuhl, mm -hmm. uh, where you kept the animals in the in the summertime, and and he he believed there was uh, uh, he believed these things was actually true. And he died uh, around 1989, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. still, you had people growing up with these um, stories. Right. But but do you think, just uh, as a thought, I mean, we spoke a bit about the how the Hardanger fiddle is, um, what is actually on the Hardanger fiddle, but on top of the fiddle, there is um, a very particular creature. Um, we like to say that it's a it's a dragon. You could maybe say it's also a, li a lion, depending on what it looks like. But um, I was always told that that's because it was there to to fright away bad spirits. Is that really true? You think, or is there another reason for it? Uh, I don't know. I think the uh, the old Hardanger fiddle Hardanger fiddles they they had often uh, more uh, grotesque looking uh, animals. Uh, but the, the more modern, what we I normally call it a, a lion, even though it maybe doesn't look like a lion, maybe it looks more like a cartoon creature sometimes when <laughs> if you if you study them. But it's, it's supposed <laughs> right. to be a lion, uh, I think, and then it's more like a aesthetic thing. But okay. maybe the, the old creature, the old Hardanger fiddles, maybe they had some belief that. This was uh, a sacred meaning. At least I know the fingerboards on uh, on fiddles from 1700s. You had a very symbolic meaning on the on the fingerboard because they put different patterns with bone and uh, um, uh, horn on on top. Right, right. And then you had kind of looking like sun rays. Um, uh, and you have a murusbjeld. It means like a chess, uh, looking like a chess uh, board. Right, right. And that's supposed to be. You had to have, I think, three or four of them, and that's supposed to keep the uh, the mare, the what we call nightmare, mm -hmm. uh, the creature that uh, comes to you in when you sleep to to bother your dreams. Uh, if you had this kind of patterns, it's supposed to keep the the mare away. I see. <laughs> it might be a lot of symbols there that I don't understand because I don't know the the context behind. No, no, no. Wow, I didn't even know we had that many creatures in our history. <laughs> wow, well, that's very interesting to know. Well, I'm sure it worked, don't you think? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it, it works. <laughs> no, but um, I really want to thank you, Otto, for taking time to speak with me uh, about this topic. It's been so nice to hear your thoughts about the Ardanger Fiddle and some of the history and the use of the Ardanger Fiddle. Um, so thank you so much for taking part in this. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining me for The Nordics Unveiled. My name is Elvig Hemsing and I hope you will continue following my next episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The music in the introduction is from Edvard Grieg's Violin Sonata in G Major, Opus 13, with myself on violin and pianist Simon Trapczewski, released on BIS Records.